This is Danny Caligiuri. Hello from Gelsenkirchen to all the Schalke Americans. Blau und weiß ein Leben lang. Hallo meine Leute, wie geht's? Willkommen zum Das Einzige Schalker Podcast auf Englisch. That's right, folks. Officially the world's only English Schalker Podcast worldwide. This is episode 94 of Schalke America and I'm your host, Richard Carmen. Schalke fans are some of the greatest fans in the world, many of whom speak English. This pod aims to bring you the latest from the Royal Blues, talk to the English-speaking fans at the club and get their point of view across and bring you game highlights. As always, joining me on the show is co-host Jack Mangan. How are we doing, Jack, tonight? Coming in hot with the borderline jazz hands there, man. What was that, what was that about? <laughs> I'm excited, man. Uh, we got to see some youngsters for once, huh? Uh, we did. I'm, we did. I'm, I'm David Wagner, clearly a dedicated listener of our podcast and finally taking our advice after a long time. Somebody must have just sent him the link to us last week. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, I think, and we'll get into that in a minute, but yeah, I think you and I were probably both very pleased with uh, the team selection for, for this yeah. one. We were, but uh, before we get into that, um, you know, this podcast, we're going to talk about Union und Leverkusen. So uh, we'll start off with the Union Berlin match from two weeks ago. Uh, and so we're going to share the lineup here. Uh, it was a pretty um, standard lineup up until this weekend. And uh, back, obviously, in goal, you had Alexander Nubel, back four of John Joe Kenny, Kabak, Ochipka, Juan Miranda making, a left, making an appearance. Uh, in the midfield, well, actually it was Salif Sané. According to this, this is incorrect from Bundesliga.com. Uh, Salif Sané was in the back four. In the midfield was Juan Miranda with Alessandro Schof, Robbie Matando, and Kalajiri. And up top, you had Rahman and Gregorich. Um, it's a pretty standard lineup. It wasn't, I mean, the only, only wrench that they had in there was Miranda uh, playing, getting some pitch time. Uh, what were your thoughts about that lineup initially going into there? Yeah, I mean, if, if you're... If you want to consider Sané to be in the defensive midfield position in that in that role, that would probably be the only noticeable thing outside of the Ochipka yeah. center back. Because um, obviously we know that Salih Sané played that position uh, previous to joining Schalke, that he was he was there semi-consistently. So um, we haven't really seen that uh, for whatever reason since he's come here. It seems like both uh, you know all, all the managers that have that have had him have have kind of viewed him in the same way um, as almost purely a center back. So. Be the main thing, but uh, yeah, you Matondo, um, Ramon, and Gregorich all at the same time, uh, is is interesting. That's a, that's a I don't know if we've seen that kind of front three before. Um, so those would kind of be my my main two takeaways, I think. Yeah, and I was curious to see how the lineup would, would do. Um, I think we saw a lot of the same old, same old in that and with that lineup. Um, you know, I, the one noticeable thing before the game, uh, not only you know both these two teams, but all the teams in the Bundesliga took a knee before the game, obviously with the whole Black Lives Matter movement uh, going across the U.S. and in the world, really. Um, so that was very noticeable there for all the leagues. But, um, you know, the game started out very, very cagey, as you would imagine, between two teams who are, you know, around the same place in the, in the standings. Um, no one really wants to, to cause a first turnover. However, our young Spaniard, uh, Juan Miranda, did have a giveaway in the 11th, that led to a quick counter between uh, uh, Anthony Uja and Andrish. Uh, he, both of them taking advantage of Ochipka and Rahman. Uh, they ended up link, link, linking up for the goal uh, in the 24th there. Uh, so it was a, a quick goal there, excuse me, in the 11th minute. Um, a, a terrible play by Miranda. I don't know. He is to blame because he let the ball bounce. 
and then it was a poor attempt at him. I mean, at that point, if you're going to be in a situation like he was, he should have fouled Uja, in my opinion. He did not. It led to the quick counter. Uh, so they went up one nothing there. Uh, and then in the 24th minute, uh, they nearly had a double there. Uh, a cross in by Trimmel, their, their, their captain. Salif Sane gets, gets just enough on it to throw off Anthony Uja uh, and enforce Alexander Nubel to make a really strong save to deny him. And as we know in football and in soccer, uh, big saves uh, usually lead to an opportunity the other way. It did just, just moments later. Um, in the 28th minute, Alexander Schoff slid it off to Kalajiri. Uh, and he fed John Joe Kenny, who blasted home a missile. Jack, all he does is score bangers. Um, that was a, a brilliant goal. I mean, we've seen this before uh, early in the season. Exact, almost identical goal. Uh, John Joe Kenny just releasing Howlitzer from distance. Yeah, John Joe Kenny, noted member of Bangers Only FC. Um, <laughs> not a great goal scorer, but a score of great goals for sure, if there ever was one. Uh, no, yeah, but it, it was a uh, uncannily similar goal to, to I mean very similar position yeah. on the field type of strike and everything so um maybe maybe we just need to start feeding him there that, that's his spot you know some people in the NBA they shoot that corner jumper John Joe Kenny likes that you know yeah right outside of the box laser so um I mean thank God for that because we were not particularly good in this game um especially early in the first half I feel like I mean they had a, a number of chances that they might have put away um more than we did and uh it's honestly not too surprising because we've been in brutal form. And, and um, you know, even if we had been in better form than we had been, this, this Union Berlin team is a team that has, that has taken points, as we said on a previous episode, off of a number of big teams this season. Obviously, their home field advantage is going to be significantly mitigated um, right. because of the lack of fans in the stands post-restart. But, um, you know, even even so, this is a competent club this this, this season. And they, they, they know how they want to play and they – they're very committed to it and they, and they do it effectively and, and they utilize, you know, uh, the things that they're good at um, more than, you know, after they don't have the, the players to have the sort of, you know, the technical prowess that a lot of other clubs do. So they, they don't even really mess around with that. They just, they're very dedicated to their style of play and it's effective. And uh, I think ultimately you could say that we may have been lucky to get, to get out of there with a draw. Yeah. And I think lucky is the right term because they really gave it to us, especially as the game went on, you could see that they were, they were, they're certainly the stronger team. Uh, Union did have a late push at the end. Uh, it wasn't enough. Uh, Nubel had another big save at the end on Schlotterbeck. Um, for me, John Joe Kenny was man of the match, not only for the goal, but he had some, some nice play overall. Um, but yeah, you know, Nubel had a couple of big saves in that game. And overall we were lucky to come away with a draw and, and a tough place to play with, with fans or not, as you said. So, um, we always knew that was going to be a difficult game uh, and uh, getting, getting away with a point. I guess I was somewhat satisfied considering the, the recent results prior to that, where we were just getting slaughtered by everybody. Yeah. I mean, I think, in, I think in a vacuum, I probably wouldn't be happy with that, but given that we, we went into this one, knowing that it could be a difficult uh, fixture, I'm, I'm not disappointed with, with the one point, but you know, if, if we <laughs> uh, wanted to maintain any illusions of, of still climbing and, and trying to reach European spots, uh, you know, at some point we were going to have to pick up three points and we, we didn't see that from this one and we didn't see it against Leverkusen either, unfortunately. No, no, we didn't. Um, and I'm going to, you know, the game against Leverkusen, uh, we were curious of what the lineups would be. I mean, people were screaming for a, a change uh, in the uh, in the lineups and everything. And so let me see if I can pull up the lineups here. That is not the lineup I wanted. <laughs> Give me one second. Got a live 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 stream here. Uh but the lineup 
that's showbiz. It is showbiz, isn't it? Uh, the lineup that we went with, uh, a very young lineup, uh, Alexander Nubel, a back four of John Joe Kenny, Kabak, Ochipka, Juan Miranda, a midfield of Kalajiri, McKinney, Shof, Bozduan, and then a top two of Bujaleb and Katuchu. The young kids were out to play, Jack. Uh, what were your initial thoughts? I mean, I was going nuts when I saw that lineup. I mean, first and foremost, and, and most importantly, Katuchu was freed. And that's that's really what we're all we're, that's what we're all here for. That's what we all want to see. Yes. Um, and you know, a number of people on, on Twitter uh, noting that when the lineups came out, Ronan Murphy, uh, you know, a, a number of people. And, um, uh, wow, Phil Bonney, I forgot his name for a split second. Yeah. The podcast tweeted that. So uh, yeah, a lot of people excited to see that, as we all would be and should be. Um, it just inexplicable how long it took for for that to be a thing. How many chances Bergstaller has gotten recently and, and Gregorich and other people. Um, but it, it's what you and I talked about, I think on our last episode was why are we continuing to dedicate time to players who are maybe over the peak or, or some of temporary them are, or temporary yeah, yeah, or temporary and that we're not committed to. And, and why don't we just give some of these kids a chance to come in and see what they're going to do. Um, Wagner, you know, had, had made that massive overhaul um, and subbed on a lot of people uh, in the game previous to the Union Berlin game, and it changed the second half. Um, it was a much better second half after you kind of overhauled the entire lineup using like all five subs, and a lot of those were young guys. Um, and so I think that was the point we were trying to make was we're not going to qualify for Europe at this point, and we're not in danger of getting relegated. Like, yeah, you could say that it might be better for us to finish in like the top 10 for various reasons, but um, I mean, ultimately, we don't really have much to lose. So why are we still kind of banging our heads against the wall with t- similar team selection and similar systems and that kind of thing? Why don't we just try to change it up? And and we finally saw that. It was a really, really interesting lineup. Obviously, Bastian Oshipka back into his center back role because we lost Salif Sané again, unfortunately. Uh, the guy just cannot stay healthy right now. And he's not the only one on the team. And it's uh, that's been that's been frustrating. But we wish him the best because, you know, I think we all still think that if he's healthy, he can be um, a really strong option for us back there. So, but yeah, uh, I think the most notable thing was uh, besides Katushu was uh, Chen Bosdegan making yeah. his uh, league debut. And interestingly enough, doing so on the left rather than in more of like a holding midfield role. Uh, so we lined up in, you know, vaguely a 4-4-2. You could say that it kind of got diamondy at times going forward, but um, defensively a pretty standard 4-4-2. And uh, Shup was more of kind of like the number six type role yeah. in that system. You know, uh, Bogdan was was going down the left, which I, I, that's not what I have, would have expected um, when I saw the team sheet initially. Um, and then also Bujaleb up top with, with Katucci was also another interesting pairing. Um, not, not where he would typically play either, but um, ultimately I don't think it was bad. I think it worked out fairly well and you saw a very energetic team. Um, and in, I think in terms of ball pressure, that was maybe our best performance in that regard. I mean, definitely since the restart, but one of the better ones, all season, I think a lot of ways. I thought I thought that performance was much more similar to some of our better performances earlier in the season, where you know the pressing was really in full effect, and, and you could and some of the hallmarks of what we would expect from David Wagner were being demonstrated uh, on the pitch. So from that perspective, I think it was uh, very positive, and, and I think you saw kind of a return to what we expected to see more of this season from us. Now, obviously, it still wasn't the most fluid performance offensively. I think we still have issues with getting the balls into our strikers and providing service to, to Katuchu and others. And that's something we need to work on. Um, but there, there were less long balls. I felt like there was less sort of yeah. aimless. Play. It was, it was, it was a lot better overall and against a pretty good Leverkusen team too. It certainly was. And I, I want to bring up the point real quick before we get to the game is that, uh, 
your name says Jack Mangan, noted founder of the Free Katuchi movement. Uh, and the reason I want to bring this up is because uh, we had a nice, uh, nice laugh with uh, Mr. Honingstein, uh, the obviously famed journalist. Uh, he uh, tweeted out that uh, he was talking to Kevin Hatchard, another for- a famed uh, uh, announcer for the Bundesliga games, and he called him the, the founder of the UK uh, Free Katuchi movement. So you know, we jumped in and we're like, well, yes, but we feel kind of slighted, Abel Mazaros. You know, sh- shout out to you for uh, notifying about that. So we had a little, little, nice, fun, fun words back and forth. But uh, so you know, the movement's going strong, uh, obviously. And uh, then, so to have him start in the lineup, I mean, it was buzzing before the matchup. I mean, people are t- tweeting us saying, "Oh my God, it's Frikatuchi, Frikatuchi, finally!" Uh, and then we see the lineup, and there's a bunch of youngsters in it. And uh, the game was uh, much. It was one of the funnest games I've watched re- of recent memory. Um, and I'm going to go on a limb and say, for me, it was the best performance outside of that Gladbach game in the Rook Runda. Um, so, uh, you know, the man you just talked about, Chan Bazduan, uh, he impressed me in this matchup. Uh, you know, he was on the left-hand side. Uh, he got into it really quick, too. Uh, he slid it off to Weston McKinney in the second minute. Uh, he releases a howitzer a la John Joe Kenny uh, right at Radetzky. Not the best-placed ball, but Radetzky could not handle that. And our boy had a glorious opportunity to get a goal right off the bat, right off the bat, and he missed the rebound just wide. Jack, I thought I was getting ready to start celebrating there with Katuchu. Oh, what a, what a glorious moment that would have been for the movement! But uh, to to give to cut Katuchu some slack, that rebound comes up pretty high, and he yeah, tried, tries to volley it. Maybe you can make the argument he should have gone with his head or tried to take a you know play it off of his chest and then bring it down and, and take another shot. Um, but I, I think he thought he only had you know kind of a split second to get that off, and ultimately wasn't just quite able to reach it and keep it under control. But um, if you watch that replay, it's, it's excellent anticipation from Katuchu yeah. to, to to keep himself onside and break in there. And he was by far the first person to pounce on that, and he you know he was waiting for that rebound. So that's um, you know some good IQ from him there to get himself in that position. Unfortunately, not able to finish, but uh, good start. And yeah, McKenney just an absolute. I mean, not particularly placed very well because it went directly at Radeski, but like. You could tell how difficult it was um, for him to even control it because it just it came up like straight in the chest, basically, and bounced off. So, um, love to see that from McKenny taking some shots from outside the box, and what, what a start that would have been. Yeah, exactly. And I think actually Katucha slipped a little bit on just before he got the shot off. So I think if he had a little bit better footing, maybe he would have got better contact. Who knows? But uh, he had a great opportunity there. Uh, we got a comment from uh, Reed Stubby saying cease and desist. <laughs> All right then. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Um, no, it was, it, was a, it was a great opportunity uh, and got a question right here real quick or a comment right here from Jake Parnow. He says, this is the type of lineup I hope to see we see next year on a consistent basis. And I'm going to say not only next year, but the re- remainder of this season, let the young kids play. They're the ones, they showed so much more passion uh, and heart than anybody else we've seen in the, in the Rook Runda thus far. And it, it obviously looked like Leverkusen on their back heels for a good portion of the game because the youngsters were put, coming at them. Um, a, a good performance, not a great performance, a good performance, you know, had to lead for majority of the game. Um, and he says the clubs do not have the funds to support any signings of established quality players. Yeah, so we're going to have to rely heavily on the on the youth system um, next season. Yeah, they, they could be, and we'll see how things go, but it certainly looks like it's shaping up to be one of the, the heaviest Kanapishmita seasons in a while, you would think, um, where we could have, you know, as many as five or six guys that, you know, either were on that squad last year or you know the year before being fixtures in the starting 11 for us next season i wouldn't be surprised with that at all um because we're just as you said not gonna have the funds to to, re- to bring some people in um but yeah it's it's, it's what we said there's, there's really just no reason to, to not do that at this point there's nothing to lose but we have you know we're not fighting realistically for for much of importance at this point and we're not in a position where 
you know, if we're not getting results, we're in trouble. And so then you can make the argument that maybe you need experience in those situations. I mean, um, yeah, I, I was I was really happy to see it. And uh, as you said, it seemed like it they were kind of executing what we would expect the game plan to be under Wagner better yeah. than the previous squad selections. Was that because Wagner, you know, was telling them to do something different in previous games and now went back to it? I mean, maybe, but it doesn't really seem to make a whole lot of sense. It just seemed like maybe, there, you know, there was more motivation and, and more yeah. hunger for some of those younger guys and, and more energy. And, uh, you know, they really they really went after it. And I think they you know, gave a pretty good account of themselves. In particular, Chan Bazduan, I thought it had a really good, uh, really yeah. impressive game. That, that um, touch he took early in the match. Yeah, that was and, beautiful. And, and, oh, yeah, spun on him. That that's that's one for the trophy. Was that Amiri or who who was that? I forget who that I was. Forget, I forget who tweeted that, but somebody said another one for the trophy cabinet, and that's yep. really what it is, right? It's it's the four four against Dortmund, and it's it's, it's, it's <laughs> so we have to hold on to a Schalke fans right now. But I, I love that. Uh, yeah, Jake. Jake uh, made another comment. Said, "I sincerely hope we do not go back to our old mo of poaching second league or free transfers." And I agree about that. Uh, but you know, with the way the 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 budget is going for next year, I don't know. I mean, use a, he says, you know, use a youth academy, the fantastic academy that we have. And I agree about that. Obviously, we had a lot of guys on the bench who were academy players. Part of that was because of injuries. Uh, but, you know, I was happy to see them. Believe me, I was believe you have, happy to see that. Uh, Eric Houston saying, uh, no Veltons? What? Now, I'm not sure if he's talking about the sponsor or the beers that we don't have in our hands. I was in, I was in, uh, Florida working remotely for, for the entire last week. So uh, I have not had a chance to do, uh, shopping since i returned so at the moment we're only dealing with uh tecate light but you know, oh that's uh, what i'm talking about yeah, sometimes you gotta work on character so you do what you gotta do i got myself a little black coffee tonight so uh I'm, I'm just in the same shape as that so um yeah no it was a, an, an interesting start to the game uh the game pretty went uh it was pretty even i thought i mean obviously buyers gonna always gonna have the majority of the possession in the game but i thought shaka did very well to um stand up to them and get get a lot actually they had probably the better of the opportunities in, in terms of scoring chances in the first half uh, between the two teams, even though Schalke had less of the ball, they, they, they were getting some shots off. And we we actually had quality opportunities uh, in this game with the youngsters as opposed to we have uh, you know the, the regular the regular starters. Um, we probably had more shots in this game than we had in the last three games combined. So uh, pretty pathetic from that standpoint there. Uh, and uh, you know jumping over to the second half, uh, 48th minute, John Joe Kenny uh, he crosses it in the box looking for Miranda, uh, Miranda of all people in, in the front of the box, right, going for a goal. Uh, and handball is called. Daniel Caligiuri slots home the penalty, gets the goal there uh, to give us the lead. But I'm curious, what are your thoughts on that call? Initially, when I first saw it, I said, what are they talking about here? But then I saw the replay. What are, what are your thoughts? Harsh? Fair? Yeah, I, I thought it was I thought it was very harsh. Um, definitely the kind of penalty where if that had been called against us, I think you and I would be pretty angry about it on a podcast. Uh, any Leverkusen fans who feel aggrieved by that decision, I have I have no argument with you. Um, I mean, it, it, it did make contact with his hand. You could argue that his hand was in an unnatural position. Um, but I think it's pretty evident to everyone, apparently, except for the official, unless there's some weird rule within the handball rule that I'm not understanding, which makes this a handball. But um, I think everyone who watched that could pretty clearly see that the only reason his hand makes contact with the ball is because Juan Miranda knocked his arm in, in, into the ball. Um, he's going for a header. And the way his body is shaping up is he's going to make contact with his head. His hand's not really anywhere near that. Um, it, it's raised a little bit, but it, he's he's very much in a position to get that off cleanly. And then Miranda flies in, hits his arm with his leg, and it goes into it. So I think that's very harsh. It's, it's absolutely not intentional. And uh, and more than not intentional, it's not even something that he like did with his own body movement, really. So, uh, yeah, pretty pretty brutal. I mean, that's the kind of look that maybe we need right now to get a result. 
Um, yeah. So, I mean, I'm, I, I appreciate that it happened for us, but um, I think it was a bad call. Uh, or at least, I mean, once again, maybe, maybe I just don't understand the handball rule. So maybe it wasn't a bad call, but I think it's a, um, a, a pretty harsh decision. And I, and, I would love yeah. to have someone who's a, a referee or a former referee, you know, come on and tell us, talk to us about the handball rule. Um, but, you know, my, my take on this is this, is that I agree with you. 100%, but I, I I was fine with the call because it would have been called against us, right? Um, yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's a bad call. It, you know, it's a tough call. It, and, and Miranda f- fully, you know, pushes his arm up, you know, you know, with his foot, and that's why it happens. But it was a handball, you know, even um, Bonnie, Phil Bonnie said on the telecast, like, what is his arm doing there? He's going for a header, yes. And yeah, Miranda's leg, you know, kicks him up, but still his arm was, if his arm was to the side, you know, been no question about it. It was just unfortunate for the defender there. I forget which defender it was. Uh, but you know, push comes shove. They end up calling a penalty, and while it was harsh, I thought it was a good call, ultimately. Um, and so, you know, Calgary slots on the rebound or slots on the goal on the penalty straight up the middle. It's a, a tricky play there. You know, Radetzky is one of the best goalkeepers in the league. You got, I guess, you're, he's hoping that he's going to go to one of the sides, trying to go for a save there. So, uh, lucky Calgary, you know, scored that and didn't look like a fool there, shooting it right up the middle. To be fair to him, though, he's got a pretty good penalty record for us. He does. So, Most I mean, of our guys do, actually. Yeah, so. I, I felt pretty confident, actually, when he was going up. And I yeah, it was, it was more risky placement, but um, I think he hit it pretty hard and, you know, it was well executed. So, um, yeah, the the other thing I, I, I want to shout out real quick um, is – If you must. Before we <laughs> – go ahead, finish finish the, just going through the game real quick, and then we can talk about it. Okay, yeah, yeah. No, no, that's fine. Um, in the in the 55th minute, Alario nearly equalized off a glancing header. Uh, missed just wide. Uh, moments later, it got a little cagey again with Ilario. Uh, it was a play where Leverkusen was trying to pass it back to Schalke in terms of good sportsmanship. Apparently, Alario wasn't into that. Uh, he took the ball, uh, took a shot off against Nubel, and then, you know, pushing and shoving happened all the way around. Lots of guys got yellows for that. I, I'm su- I would be surprised if they didn't go back and look at the replay because the guy that Caligiri shoved, and I don't know if it was Amiri or who it was, headbutted him after the play. So I, I, you know, maybe after after the fact, he'll get a, a suspension from that. But I got a little cagey there, Jack, in the, in the 58th minute. Um, and then we knew that Bayer was going to have majority of the possession going forward, trying to get that equalizer. They would find it in the 81st minute. A nice play by Wendell, really, um, showing some... Uh, showing some pelota, some balls, uh, going for the header when Calgary's foot was up high. He gets it. He crosses in the middle looking for Paulinho. And Juan Miranda once again uh, on the wrong end of the ball, uh, pounces home the rebound or the pass into the back of the net. Uh, You got a feel for the kid. Another game, another own goal basically from him. Uh, That makes it 1-1. Um, a tough way to lose it like that, but overall, with the kids getting the nods, I was happy with the result. I mean, going into the match before I saw the lineup, I said we're going to get slaughtered. I don't know about your thoughts, but so that that goal for Leverkusen wasn't it? Wasn't it Wendell who played the initial ball in too from yeah. the other side of the field? Yeah. How how do you let him play that from the right, run all the way across the field to the left, take it? Because Caligiri was honestly showing a. I think a pretty severe lack of urgency on that play to actually bring that thing under control. Maybe he just didn't see that, you know, Wendell coming across the field at him, but Wendell comes all the way across, grabs that and then plays that, you know, it, it I mean, props to him. Cause I think he had a fantastic game actually. Uh, he was very impressive for them, but uh, yeah. Uh, unfortunate that he was allowed to do that. And then Juan Miranda just looked like he was kind of late to react to that. And so it was kind of, wasn't even like sprinting initially and kind of tried to dive in at the last minute. And uh, you know, unfortunately just kind of toe pokes it in. 
Um, so it's, it's been it's been a rough go of it for him recently. Uh, I think it's it's funny. We were. I think it's making everyone appreciate Bastian Ochipka yeah. more than perhaps they did because Ochipka yeah. Ochipka's never been the flashiest player. But what we I think people have been getting on him. You know, as the season as a Rondo yeah. was going on, people were getting on him for not being as good. But then we saw Miranda now, and we're like, eh, let's go back. <laughs> but I mean, the thing is, yeah, the thing is that we always say is just the guy stays fit for the most part, so he's always available. And he just works his ass off, and he just puts in shifts. He does. He's not the flashiest player, and he doesn't. You know, he doesn't provide you with, you know, the, the greatest noteworthy moments defensively or in terms of uh, delivery from wide areas on the offensive end. But um, seeing Juan Miranda, you're, I think you're realizing how solid Ochipka is and how valuable that can be sometimes. I think Ochipka yeah. comes in with all this technical prowess and everything, and I think he's getting pushed around a little bit at the moment and having a little bit of a, a rough go of it. Um, not, not that I don't think he has potential or anything, but, uh, yeah, like I said, it, it makes you kind of appreciate what you have. And you know what's unfortunate for for Miranda is too is like just before that happened, you know maybe like the early parts of second half, I was thinking you know hey maybe he's kind of made amends for last week. You know he's playing decently, he's he's contributing the attack, uh, but then you know that happens and that threw it all out the window. So that's kind of that's, that's it sucks for him, but you know uh, maybe uh, like you said it opens our eyes to a chip gun, you know wanting him back and maybe put another midfielder in the mid in the middle just to to try to clog it up and and create more offensive opportunities. To be fair to Leverkusen, I think it was uh, probably a deserved draw yeah. on, on their part, especially because I think in the second half they, they put a decent amount of pressure on us um, for, for a lot of that. So, And then here we have a question or a comment right now. Which is um, kind of going to your point earlier, right? That's, that's what I was going to talk about. Was uh, So he, uh, James here says McKenney had a career game in midfield, uh, the press uh, on, on Visor in the first half. And, yeah, that was, I think that was about seven minutes in, maybe the eighth minute. Yep. Um, Mitchell yeah. Visor picks up the ball. And McKinney just like her, I actually want to go back and see how long that sustained period of pressure lasted. But it was at least been, I felt like twenty seconds. I felt like it had to have been at least ten seconds of McKinney yeah. just chasing him around the field until he ultimately gets him, you know, kind of by the sideline as an extra defender and, and takes the ball off of him. And uh, I think that was probably the, the first moment early in the match where you're like, okay, like like we're showing up today. Like this is yeah. this is kind of what we expect to see from David Wagner's teams and what we have seen in some of our better performances, you know, the Gladbach one to start off the Rook run to uh, Leipzig earlier in the first half is, is that kind of ball pressure. Um, uh, and that, that makes up for a lot of the deficiencies that we have when we, when we do that to teams. And in and particular with McKinney too, when he does that, yeah. our team feeds off of that, I think. And it's shown in the past. For sure. And that's something that he can do. I think when we talk about the deficiencies that Weston McKinney has, um, I think what most people would agree with is on the defensive side of the um, of the ball, he sometimes reacts a little bit late to danger in his own half. Yeah. And then uh, on the offensive side of the ball, it, his deficiencies are primarily technical um, in terms of like first touch and, and errant passing, and he also sometimes plays a little bit out of control. Um, but what he always what he always can do pretty consistently if he if he commits to it is just being a pest in that regard because um, he he'll, you know he runs and he's, he's he chases people down, doesn't give people a lot of peace, and did a great job of that in this one. But I, I think what we saw were some of those offensive deficiencies were, were not really present in this game for McKinney. Uh, he was very much under control. There's a lot of situations where um, I feel like if you, if you play a ball into McKinney and you kind of put him in a bad spot and there's a couple people closing him down, he's phenomenal at, at his first touch, getting him out of trouble and getting past that. But then it's usually the second or third touch yeah. is wild, a little bit out of control and he loses possession or it kind of like the ball runs away from him, that sort of thing. There were so many moments where he, he gets that first touch to avoid danger and I'm expecting it to break down, and it doesn't. And he keeps it. He keeps it under control. Like the, the really the best players, it, it feels like the ball 
like is on a string connected to their foot. And it's always yeah. kind of in their sphere of influence. And McKenny always feels like at times that he's kind of at the mercy of whatever the ball wants to do. <laughs> and this game, it really wasn't that way. I thought McKenny was very much in control and he showed you uh, what that can look like. I thought his passing was pretty good. I think he had, had like almost a hundred percent of his take-ons were successful. Um, had a lot of ball recoveries, a lot of interceptions. It was, it was, yeah, it was, it was a very good game for McKinney. And, and I think some of the most outspoken critics of Weston McKinney on Schalke Twitter were, were giving him props, which is a good thing. So, you know, if, you know, if that's happening, that he really, really did have a good game. And that's, that, this is what we're talking about. Like yep. that kind of game shows you the potential that we think Weston McKinney might have, which is, which is above average potential could be, could be an excellent player. He hasn't done it consistently enough. And there's definitely things in his game that are not there and, and that he's rightfully criticized for at times but uh yeah this was one of his better performances of the season if not the best one yeah and another shout out saying you know he beat he did to turn two defenders early in the game and i thought yeah he, he did brilliant for me man of the match i thought this is one of the better games i've seen in a long time from weston mckinney from you know beginning to the end um he was certainly impressive for me and i think like we were saying earlier when he, when he's on the game like that he the whole team feeds off of him it's very it's a very similar way that the team feeds off katuchu and it's funny that you know people are praising mckinney in this game but a lot of people, those same people who are praising McKinney, were also starting to hate on Katucha, saying, "Oh, see, he's not right yet." And I was like, "Calm down, all right, just calm down. Let the kids play a little bit, all right." Um, we got a comment here from uh, Eric Houston. He says, uh, "By the way, shout out to James. We chat all the time uh, about Chalka pre and post games. So, uh, thank you for the comment there, Eric." He says, "As long as we keep the spine of the team, Kabak, Serdar, McKinney in the middle, and Katucha up top, we can build a pretty good team around them." And I, I agree about that, hundred percent there. Uh, <laughs> Jake Parno says, uh, "Don't worry, you aren't alone. No one understands the handball rule. That's true. That's true. I don't even referees. I don't think know what what the heck that, the call is. That is definitely true." <laughs> Eric says, uh, "Ochipka is Vesterman uh, twelve years later. Good shout out there. That's a old reliable there. Like a Volvo, super reliable. Nothing flashy. Yep, yep. So no, yeah, it it it, it certainly is true. We got you know a win or draw was uh, felt like a win almost just the way our team played. I think the young boys responded really, really well." Um, I'm curious what the lineup's going to be for the next game. Hopefully, you can see more of that. Hopefully, you know, the higher ups were saying, hey, just play the young kids already. You know, we're not going to get relegated at this point. Um, just let them play. You know, obviously, Burksaller was in, in the crowd. Uh, he was injured. A lot of the guys are injured now. The rest of the season, Sane, we saw pictures of him. He tweeted from the hotel or the hotel, the hospital room. Yeah. Um, so let the kids play, man. See what they got. At least give them confidence going to next season. The other thing is, I think I think this game actually could have been better offensively than it ultimately was because something I noticed a lot was there were there were some good runs being made uh, off the shoulder especially and for whatever reason the number of through balls we had get cut out by the defense yeah it was like so high it felt like there were so many times there's a player cutting in behind and you just need that one through ball to open up a chance and it just couldn't get through for some reason. So maybe we just need to work on our passing there for some extent, but that kind of, that kind of movement offensively is something we've criticized recently too. There's too many players standing around watching the ball. And once I don't know if it was the youth or or what it was, but more people seem to be active in providing, you know, different looks and and keeping the defense honest in that regard. Um, And it was, yeah, it was really promising. So, uh, I mean, I, I don't know if I'm the biggest fan of some of the players playing out of position, like long term, if that's going to be something that can really work. Because obviously, you know, where where Bujlib was and and uh, Bajlan yeah. was and stuff is kind of strange positions and you know shops and everything. But um, but yeah, a positive change, and at least that's what it was. It was a change. We, we've we've criticized Wagner at times for his lack of flexibility, and I think he showed in this not so much like in system. And I mean, like I said, there were still issues with with what we were doing, but um, to kind of 
put that many young players in it and, and change things up to that to that much of an extent, I think you have to give them credit for because it's what we've been calling for. And, it, and it, it worked pretty well. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the initial lineup that, that they, they showed on the screen with Bujalup kind of playing like either a 10 or in the midfield role, we're like, okay, that's the lineup we kind of want to see because let them flood the midfield and, and then feed Katuchu. But then, you know, uh, Wagner did go to his patented old, you know, two striker up top, which is fine. You know, it's both players are really out of position. I think uh, Katuchu is more of like a, a shadow striker or a false nine type player to play behind a striker. Uh, but you know, if we got when your options are very limited, you know, hell, let's play him. Let's play him on the pitch. I don't care at this point. But I mean, Bujalup, you wonder how we would have looked if, um, you know, like Bosduan was was playing where where Shup was playing, and then maybe like Robbie Matanda was playing down the left hand side. Yeah, and, and getting it behind there. There. Yeah, exactly. I mean, like I, I so I, I think that combination of players is interesting and, and, and does a lot more for us than, than some of the more static guys we've been putting out there for sure. One of the players who I thought played very well defensively, uh, but didn't, didn't contribute offensively was uh, Ozan Kabak. Uh, obviously solid defensively had an early yellow, which kind of worried me, uh, but he, he was smart enough not to get another yellow, uh, but his passes every time he looked for a pass over the top or, or, or a through pass, it was just too strong on the ball. Unfortunately, so that broke up a lot of, a lot of opportunities that we had with, with, a, with the counter attacks there. And, I think uh, I think he's rapidly becoming an emotional leader for us as well. Yes, um, yes. which I love. He reminds me. He's not he's not quite this, this crazy, but he reminds me of uh, Zed Klasinic a little bit in, in terms of you know that that defensive player who sometimes gets cards that he shouldn't get out of frustration or maybe being a little bit overzealous in, in some challenges, but he's ultimately really solid and, and works his ass off and is able to rally people and you know kind of kind of lead from the back in that way. Um, so I mean, yeah, I, I love I love Kabak, and I really hope we can we can hold on to him. And he's kind of walked into a situation here at Schalke that is um, suboptimal to say the least. Yeah. Um, and you, you wouldn't begrudge him at this point in his career um, when he has momentum for to try to you know maybe take that somewhere else. But um, if we can keep him for a bit and, and kind of build our back around him, I think I think we're going to be very well served going forward. Yeah, and uh, I want to give us I want to give a shout out to everyone on YouTube listening to us live, uh, commenting with us. I appreciate it. Uh, feel free to send us questions. We're going to an- answer some questions here now. Um, first one was, uh, and a funny one was, uh, Miranda, what the fuck? Uh, <laughs> fair question, right? Yeah, it's a fair, it's a fair question. <laughs> yeah, not, did not cover himself in glory um, in that moment or in a number of games recently. I think uh, of our two Barcelona loanies, Tadibo has been uh, the more impressive one, I think, by far. Um, and, and the guy that, that shows that maybe he's a little bit more um, – match ready at that level at this moment in time once again doesn't mean that juan miranda can't get there um and you know when you look at the the buyout clause that he supposedly has i mean clearly you know they expect good things from him and uh you know barcelona has a a track record of of doing good things with young players but um yeah it not 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 a good moment from him and uh hopefully hopefully he can that doesn't affect him too much because you you hate you hate to see a young player um, you know, who gets an opportunity in a, in a game like that. And it's a pretty big game against a big opponent. Yeah. And it looks like as a team, we're putting in a, a performance that's finally turning things around. And we got a one nil lead and we might get our first win in like 12 games or whatever. And then he he does that. I mean, that can really affect somebody, particularly a young player. So hopefully he's able to brush that off and, and not be too hard on himself and, you know, kind of keep his head down and, and keep working. You were speaking about leadership. And the one thing I didn't see when that goal happened is uh, usually when that play happens, a veteran will go up to the kid and go be like, hey, don't worry about it. Shake it off. Uh, Salif Sane would do that, right? Uh, you didn't see anyone do that after that. And that's the kind of thing I was like, come on, at least you know, give a pat on the back, say, don't worry about it. Uh, yeah, you're, but, missing a, you're missing an Aldo there or, or somebody like that to kind of yeah. come in and do that for sure. Yeah. 
Uh, next question comes from Brad Denny of Speak of the Devils podcast. That's uh, not any kind of Devils in terms of soccer. It's Arizona State football. So uh, he says, uh, given the current resources, what moves could be made to elevate the squad to a contender from her spot in Europe next season? And the second part was, who would be the manager next season? That's a tough one. So let's do the first part first. Uh, given the current resources, what could we do to elevate the squad to make Europe? It's tough. Not a lot. I mean, if if what Shock is saying about the financial picture is to believe, we really don't have the budget to sign almost anybody. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you can't imagine our spend is going to be that far north of like what, like ten million dollars, unless like, we sell people. Which I exactly, and, and I think. Anybody you sell probably isn't going to bring you in the kind of money that's going to allow you to go out and actually buy like some really good people. I mean, we're not selling, you know, a Manuel Neuer or, or, a, or you know, or Draxler or Asane this this off season. Um, I mean, maybe the most money we could get would be from somebody like like an Amin Arit. Um, but yeah. I mean, the other problem is everyone knows that we're in such financial difficulty that it's not exactly a seller's market for us. Yeah, they're um, going to lowball us. And we, we tend to get fleeced anyway uh, because for whatever reason, we just have abhorrent transfer policy and contract management. But, I mean, you look at Brell and Bolo, who's still young and still full of potential. What, we got, like, back 50% of what we paid for him? Yeah. Like, and that's that's before we were kind of in the financial situation. where I mean, it's going to be a fire sale if we, if we try to go in that direction. I mean, honestly, I almost feel like I almost feel like Shaw was better off, like, trying everything possible to not sell a bunch of people to get the money and just try to survive for a season and, and plug the gaps with Kapish Mina talent in the hopes that, you know, maybe going into two years from now, we're in a bit, we're in a better financial picture. And we've been able to hold on to a Suet Saradar and a Weston McKinney and an Amin Harit. Uh, and then we can add to that um, and just kind of maybe tread water next season. So it, it's tough. I, I, it's tough to go out for me to go out and be like, Hey, here's, here's five players that can make an impact for us just because they're going to have to be pretty damn obscure for us to bring them in if we're going to be able to afford them. And I just, I don't really think that's the case. What I think they really should do is, you know, whatever money they have, spend it on a veteran that can help, you know, lead this team mentally to get to the right place. Cause I think, you know, like you said, if you don't sell players, uh, keep what we have, keep a core, build a core together, use the youth Academy, you know, play these young kids, you know, see what they got. Uh, it's a great time, great time now to give them a trial run to see what they can do with the, with the ball of, at pitch time. Um, and then bring a veteran in that can help, you know, lead these boys, especially when they're going down, keep their heads up and stuff like that. Someone who's gonna probably be a potential coach, get someone on the cheap uh, towards the end of his career. That's an that's that's an idea there. Um, but yeah, 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 use the youth academy, use the Kadapachvita. Benedict Hivides, perhaps by any chance? Ah, or Rod Fairman? Uh, just for yeah, there you go, the ferryman. Uh, I, I love when I'm on Twitter and I translate uh, translate a German tweet and it translates Fairman to the ferryman. The uh, ferryman. <laughs> I, really, I really enjoy that. Anyway, um, new nickname. Yeah, Benedict Hivides. I mean, very much uh, over the hill. I think everyone would agree. But um, honestly, if he's not ready to hang him up yet, I don't see any reason why you wouldn't potentially want him as a locker room presence. Yep, um, exactly. Like former captain guy, you know, who's won our most recent silverware for us, pretty much. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's something to consider. Uh, and I mean, if you're looking for something on the cheap, you could probably find a way to sign him, um, and he might be more flexible to work with you than somebody else. Uh, I don't know. It's it's yeah, it's definitely tough. It is it is tough. And then uh, an equally tough question is, what do you do with the manager situation for next year? Um, we we're in this revolving door where we're constantly changing players up, we're changing managers up, and at some point, you want just want to stop and try to break that cycle but we're still in a poor 
poor form. I mean, look at this season. I mean, what do you do? Yeah, I'm not even – I'm not convinced that Schalke are going to let go of David Wagner, um, that they're going to choose to part ways with him. And I, I'm not convinced that it, that it would be the right move anyway. I mean, he's been getting a lot of criticism recently, some of it on this podcast. Um, Us? No. <laughs> and I – and we've been we've been frustrated with him at various times of the season, even when things were yeah. going going well. But the problem is, and the, the question I always come back to is, who can you get? Who's available? I mean, what what manager that you're going to be able to attract who's one available and would want to come into this situation at Schalke with, let's face it, one of our weakest squads in recent memory, um, the worst financial situation we've been in recent memory. That's not exactly an attractive situation to get yourself into, especially on top of that when you have a club. I like Schalke that's noted for going through managers even when things are better than they are right now. Yeah. Um, so the question is, who can, who can you bring in? I mean, it's, it's not going to be a name. It's not going to be a big name for sure. Um, unless you're going to try to go in and, and find another, you know, Tedesco in terms of some sort of like unearthed talent. Um, you know, but even that had mixed results over the course of a couple of seasons. So, uh, yeah, David Wagner hasn't been as impressive as I think we were hoping, you know, because once again, he came in with this reputation. Um, yeah. doing a lot with a little, you know, he, he took Huddersfield, the team with no resources comparatively to a lot of others, got him promoted, kept him up for a season. That was his whole thing. And then also this style of play sort of, you know, you would think kind of fits the ethos of the club and everything. There's a lot of reasons to kind of like, like bringing him in and thinking that he was going to be a good fit. And, uh, he's done good things at, at good times. I mean, but it's just, for me, it's like, what better option is out there? I, I, as long as, as long as we build off this Leverkusen performance and, and finish out the remaining three games of the season fairly strong or whatever many games are left, um, I, I wouldn't be against giving him another chance to start next season. Neither would I. I think you're better off uh, keeping him, saving the money there. And really what I would do really is focus on the fitness side of things. Um, you know, And I'll give an example. Like when Leon Goretzka, our, our favorite uh, trader, uh, when he was with us, I mean, he was a skinny little guy, right? He looked at him at Byron, and he's almost got as big arms as Lewandowski. Uh, they train their players there. They they strength train their players so they're strong on the ball. We need our players to do that. We need our coaches to do that, train our guys up. Because we got little guys. We do have a lot of little guys. Bujilev, Katucci, all these. Katucci is probably a little bit bigger, but a lot of small guys. We build them up with strength. At least they'll be strong on the ball and won't get manhandled like Miranda on the on the Uja goal in Union Berlin. No, yeah, for sure. I mean, you saw Leroy Zane and, and Gretzka come out of quarantine like jacked as hell. Yeah, I, wonder, I mean, yeah. yeah, it'd be nice to see. And like, I mean, Harit, who's like you know, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm not saying that you know Harit needs to go a Dama Triori on everybody, but it'd be nice, to, you know, <laughs> bulked up a little bit. Um, yeah, it's it's yeah, and the fitness would certainly be be helpful as well if we didn't have half our team injured at any one moment. So, um, it, it, speaking of the injury thing, what what I would say though is that. I think Wagner has relied on that too heavily in terms of his excuses yeah. after matches. And that has not helped the people's view of him. It, he, he's absolutely right that it is an issue. I mean, if you're going to take, you know, regular starters like Sané and Mascarell and Harit and Serdar and suddenly drop them from the team, it's going to affect your team. Your team is, is going to be worse. And, and that's, that's true, but we don't think that Wagner had necessarily done enough up to this point to demonstrate some flexibility and try some new things and, and, and bring in, some new solutions and he look like he's taking a step in that direction for, for labor cues. And so hopefully he can keep that going and, and we finish up the season stronger than we had since, you know, the beginning of the restart. 
good friend of the show, Abel Mezaros, he wrote this fantastic article about reasons why Schalke suck, basically, you know, uh, to, to quote him. Um, and but it was a, for him to do. Yeah. yeah, but it was a fantastic article. He's talking really talking about what the reasons are and it's all these different things um, and included some of that stuff you're talking about, injuries and and tactics. And, and it's, it's a really great article. You should definitely go read it. Uh, we're going to try to get him on the podcast here soon so we can talk about that. Because um, it was really, uh, it was really good to see from a neutral point of view, right? We we see Shaka day in and out, basically with the, with the, with the Twitter and everything. As fans, um, he's looking at it from the outside perspective, and it was, it was it, hey, it was uh, it was true. A lot of it was good. It was a really good article. So uh, we'll tweet that out again uh, for you guys to see, and we'll try to get him on so we can really hear from the horse's mouth, so to speak. Um, you know, we haven't had him in a while, so we, we he's due for one, right? Yeah, yeah, we got we to gotta hold his feet to the fire on that one a little bit, no. But uh, what I was trying to say was I'm sure uh, Abel took at least a little bit of pleasure in writing oh, an sure. article about, about Schalke. I don't think that was uh, too much of a chore for him to, to produce that. Yeah. But uh, no, yeah, I think I, think, every, I think I retweeted that as well. So definitely yeah. go check that out. Um, Abel is, is really, in my opinion, and in the opinion of many others, one of the foremost minds in yeah. about Bundesliga at the moment. Um, and his the analysis that he can provide is is far above and beyond anything that we can provide for you here on this podcast, yes. particularly for me. So, um, <laughs> yeah, if you're looking for that, uh, just look for the things we retweet more than the things we actually say. That'll probably be <laughs> in the right direction. Oh, uh, we're like Wagner. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, Eric Eric Houston commented saying, uh, you know, we've tried doing the obscure like with um, Hamza Mendel. He was a huge flop. I agree. Uh, he says, you know, I mean, I mean, Eunice may be a good fit. He may be, but I think he'll be expensive coming from Napoli or wherever he is right now. So. Uh, he's a guy, he's a little bit of a head case as well. Uh, has a little bit of a, te- a temper there. So, yeah, it's all good shouts out, good shout out there. So, uh, yeah, Jack, uh, you got anything else for us uh, before we wrap this one up? No, no, just hope hope we see Katucho up top again. Um, I mean, even if what even was if the one, he, absolutely, yeah, 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 for sure. I mean, he was great. I mean, but I think even the people that were like, we'll see, Katucho didn't do a whole lot. Okay, but if you're going to have two players that are both doing nothing, who would you rather have on the field in terms of potential to do something? The yeah. guy in Bergstaller who hasn't scored all season. And offsides the whole time. Yeah, or, you know, Katucho who has demonstrated the ability to, to do that to some extent. So, yeah, I'm not worried about it. It would have been nice if he had finished that chance, but uh, he needs to be starting, and, and hopefully Wagner doesn't stray away from that because that would be pretty infuriating. And I like your shot about um, bringing in Robbie Matondo with the young kids to see what he can do with some speed there on the left-hand side. Yeah instead of Miranda or something. So, he, yeah. He works pretty hard in terms of his ball pressure. He does. Well. He does. So, I mean, he's not – he's not. His like decision-making a, is a little bit down, but everything else is – I mean, you got good yeah, heart. I mean, he'll, sure. run, he'll run and he'll do that job that Wagner wants him to do for sure. So, that's not like a downgrade in terms of Wagner's system there either. So, Absolutely. Uh, if you haven't done so yet, make sure you sign up for the Schalke U.S. newsletter. Uh, simply just give me your email, and uh, they will you'll get those uh, newsletters out monthly. So, make sure you do that. Uh that's going to wrap it up here. Keep tuning in each week as we bring you the latest from the Royal Blues. We want to thank Schalke for providing us tidbits for our podcast today. We also want to thank all those who participated in our big giveaway. And congrats once again to Gary Halpin uh, for being the victor of the uh, team sign kit uh, provided by Schalke. So uh, thank you all again for those who enter the contest, for those who are watching here on YouTube. Um, we also want to give out, of course, a special shout out to our, our good friends at NBC4 Nashville. Um, as always, if there are any topics or questions or anything you want us to talk about on the podcast, send us a tweet at Shalk America. Jack, where can our followers find you on social media? You can find me on Twitter at JM Mangan, J M M A N G A N. Got it twice in a row now, or three times in a row. I, I butchered oh, it up, yeah. but I think I'm on a roll now. So 
uh, yeah, you can look for my uh, my retweets of better tactical analysis <laughs> on there. Right on. I, I'll drink that. Uh, and as always, uh, well, I'm your host, Richard Carmen. You can find me at R underscore K-H-A-R-M-A-N anywhere on social media. So thank you. We'll see you soon. Episode 95 coming around the corner. And we'll talk, we'll talk then. Shoes. Later's on the man, Jay. <laughs>